Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, sitting alongside the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, pretty much a one week of training camp, I guess you could say, is uh, in the books from the middle of last week to the middle of this week. And unfortunately, uh, a couple of uh, fairly significant injuries to uh, report from Monday's practice, we saw both safety Kentrell Bryce and inside linebacker Jake Ryan carted off of Raynichke Field. You never like to see that. Now, the initial reports are may not be as bad with Kentrell Bryce as it might have looked at the time, but there are some outside media reports that Jake Ryan's knee injury is season-ending. So where we are is that uh, regardless of the length of the absences of these players, a spotlight is getting brighter, shining very brightly on a couple of young players, and I'm talking about safety Josh Jones and rookie inside linebacker Oren Burks. Yeah, and it's the reality uh, of this time of the year, Mike. I remember Mike McCarthy a few years ago uh, when Packers are going through kind of a tough injury stretch, uh, addressed some of these things, and you know I think he said the NFL average was right around you know two kind of significant injuries per training camp for NFL teams, and and. You hate to see it. You hope that you can buck that curve. But I'd be lying to you if I told you that when the Packers went out on the practice field for the first time last Thursday, that wasn't that was something that did cross my mind. Yeah. Uh, because it is just the nature of the beast that sometimes these things happen. It's the reason why you build a deep roster. It's the reason why you look for as much competition as you can at multiple positions. And now you look at, at those two spots, and again, we'll see where things stand with Bryce, but a young guy like Josh uh, Jones, uh, you know, Jermaine Whitehead has had a pretty big role in this defense over the last year uh, between what he can do at safety, his special teams acumen, and then also playing that slot cornerback position in sub-packages. guy like Marwin Evans is also in that equation too, now going into th his third NFL season. But Jones specifically was the second-round pick, and you know, you look at his athleticism just completely off the charts. Packers allowed him to focus on that safety spot, and for as long as Bryce is out here, it's going to be a big opening for him to show what he can do in the field. Yeah, no question about it. And with regards to Mike Pettin and his defensive scheme, I think we're going to see as this preseason goes along and certainly in the in the early stages of the regular season just how much, how much flexibility there is. We may see more packages with only one inside linebacker, Blake Martinez, on the field instead of needing to. Uh, Oren Burks, we'll see exactly what, what role he ends up filling. And, and with Josh Jones, we saw him sometimes playing a hybrid linebacker yeah. position as well as deep safety. You don't want to, you know, as we've talked about many times, you don't want to put too much on the plate of young players in terms of the, the schematics and the X's and O's and different things they have to learn. But there are times that it becomes necessary, and we'll just have to see how the Packers coaching staff decides to handle this because especially at inside linebacker now, you really have Blake Martinez and a whole bunch of guys who don't have any NFL experience. Right. So how are you going to handle that? I'm glad you brought up that point because uh, I had a chance to talk with Oren Burks in the locker room on Tuesday um, along with uh, another beat writer, Jason Wildey. And he was, he had, he's, such a, he's a big thinker. A very intelligent young man, very well-spoken. Absolutely. And he said, going back to his pre-draft interview uh, with the Packers and that visit, these are conversations he's had with Patrick Graham, the Packers inside linebackers coach and their defensive run game coordinator. And the reality is, as he even talked to uh, Blake Martinez, one of the first times they'd ever had a chance to meet each other is, the nature of that position, you have to be ready to play. You don't want to see it under these circumstances right. with what happened with Jake Ryan. But you look back the last three, four years, Mike, 
Joe Thomas was a part of that inside linebacking crew too. All those guys ended up playing. I think Joe Thomas ended up leading them in tackles two years ago as a situational player yeah. at that position. So Oren Burks knew, regardless if it was going to be as a coverage linebacker in the dime or uh, you know, specific packages for Mike Penton, he was going to get a chance to play. So none of this is new to him. And he said the big lesson he took away from both Graham and Martinez is you have to be ready to play because at some point your number is going to get called. Are you ready to step up into that spot? Is it going to be perfect? No. We saw that with Blake Martinez during his rookie year. As intelligent as he is coming out of Stanford, it's a big jump going to the NFL. But the more preparation you have both on the field and off of it, mentally being cued into everything, this is a big opportunity for him. And as Burke said, this is my shot now. You don't want to see it under these circumstances, but that's the reality. And the Packers are going to be counting on him in a big way. And as he said, he wants to prove that he was worth that third-round pick right from day one. Yeah, and Josh Jones is a guy, I think, who's who's out to prove a little something as well. Yeah. Had a decent finish to the season last year with the big overtime interception in Cleveland in December, but a lot of ups and downs through his rookie season, and we had talked about how he was trying to play a lot of different positions, and they did put a lot on his plate. So we'll see how things evolve in the second year for him. But another second-year guy we definitely need to talk about here, and this is a guy coming back from an injury as well, but certainly looks no worse for wear. And I'm talking about cornerback Kevin King. Yeah. Now, he's he's out there on the practice field with uh, a small, I guess I would say, harness type of thing on his left shoulder, which is the one that was uh, surgically repaired in the offseason. But I tell you, Wes, he, uh, um, he looks like he's out there to bring it this year. Yeah, and here's the thing about King, too. He was back for the offseason program. Uh, that was a big plus, I thought, for him to be back. But the Packers were very cautious with him. Yeah, they limit they limited the snaps. They really kept him out of the 11-on-11 11 11 yes. stuff during OTAs, but he was working on a lot of other drills. And as you well documented, he spent most of that those team periods just doing push-ups on the <laughs> sideline, trying to strengthen that, that shoulder, something that he took from his father yeah, many years ago. the old ago. drop and give me 20. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But when he gets back into training camp, he said he'd be silly if he went out there without a harness and then something happens. He has full confidence in the shoulder. His hope, talking with the training staff, talking with the team doctors, is that once the regular season comes around, he can drop that, be able to get his full range of motion. But with it being his first contact work, the first time really throwing that left hand again, he wants to be cautious. They want to take the smart approach with it. That's why you're seeing it right now. But as he said, he's going to get into some of these preseason games. He's actually looking forward to being able to falling on it a little bit, being able to get physical. Uh, and I think you've seen in very small doses so far him doing that with Devontae Adams. Yeah. And the kind of rapport those two have, that goes back to last season. Because you remember during those five starts, during the stretches where the Packers were down and kind of hurting at the cornerback position, King ended up being the number one cornerback against Devontae Adams a lot last season. You know, that Pro Bowl talent, getting a chance to see A.J. Green, Des Bryant, uh, Julio Jones, there's a big benefit to that. That's something I wrote about this week on our website. And now he's trying to take that, what he learned, the experience of playing through last season with that shoulder injury, and now being healthy for the first time in quite a while and channel that into being the player that he believes he can become, and the Packers really uh, are counting on him. Yeah, I remember I remember talking to him in the spring about some of those matchups where he was lined up across from Julio Jones or even Antonio Brown for yeah. the Pittsburgh yes, Steelers, which, which ended up yes. being his last his last game before the Packers shut him down. And he he said, "Yeah, I'm I'm a rookie out there, but 
I'm learning what the gap is between where I am and where the best in the league are. And he and he says, hey, I never surprised myself. I'm right. going to go out there and compete. This is a this is an ultra confident guy, um, a quiet guy in a lot of ways, but a confident guy who uh, is not interested in backing down from anybody. He knows he knows where the gap is. I think he found out that maybe the gap isn't as big as a lot of others were making it out to right. be. But he still knows that uh, it's going up against the best in the league that is going to get him to where he wants to be amongst the best in the league. Right, and there's a lot to learn at that position. But six foot three, two hundred pounds, and running a four four forty is going to help you close that gap. It's, it's a good place to start. <laughs> yeah, it's a good place to start. No question about it. I do want to add in quickly before we close this chapter. One other thing that came up, and I ended up adding it to my story uh, after the fact. Okay, uh, was this quote he gave, and it was about going back to challenging yourself. And this time of the year, he go, He mentioned this. When he was at Washington, and a lot of times in college, those practices are closed. So you can try stuff, you can do things, and nobody sees it. You get beat by John Ross, doesn't matter. <laughs> but in the NFL, especially with training camp, so many eyes are on him. Those reactions are getting posted to social media. Social media is drawing those conclusions. And he cautioned everybody against that, too. I thought this was a really important thing for him to say because it's not like he's been playing poorly in the, pre- in the training camp. He's yeah. gone off to a really nice start, but as he said, and I'm just going to, give the direct quote there's a time to work on your craft you're with your team you're out there I might try to do a brand new thing against Devontae he's one of the top three top five receivers in the league it may not work using his own cadence there but on film it's like Kevin King cannot guard Devontae Adams but you don't know what I was doing you see the clips it doesn't tell the whole story it's all about getting better it's like if you took your notes as a writer uh, every day and posted them to Twitter it's not the final draft I'm not a finished product here just wait for the finished product. I thought that's really important for young players to learn in this league because it is about getting better. It's about how you look in the preseason. It's about what you're, where you're at in your game once you get into week one of the regular season. And that's tough for young players because I think the, the, the tendency is to want to be perfect right off the bat. Right. You're not going to be perfect. You have to learn from those experiences. Tremont Williams did it. Nick Collins did it. The list goes on and on of the Packers. Great cornerbacks, defensive backs who have done it. King's trying to be the next one. Yeah, and I would say I'm certainly not as active on Twitter as you are. I try to <laughs> promote some of the things on our website and whatnot. But if I were a player, if I were a Kevin King, I don't know if I would even look at anything on social yeah. media when I'm trying to work through a training camp, even, through, even through the entire season. No. It, it's, it, it, it can be toxic. And and uh, there, there are certain players who do that. They handle it, you know, and that's fine. There are other players who get caught up in it, and, and it does affect them psychologically, mentally, what's going on out there in the social media world if I were a player I'd just shut it off we're as interconnected as as we've ever been as a society that has drawbacks that has positive elements to it as well you get your message out there but I think sometimes the drawback is is there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there that bring some pretty hot takes and sometimes don't really know that they're talking (laughs) to another human being yeah well with uh regards to Continuing our discussion about young players, there's a position battle going on, Wes, between a couple of third-year offensive linemen. And I'm talking about the right tackle spot with Jason Spriggs and Kyle Murphy. Now, the word at the start of training camp from Mike McCarthy was that Brian Balaga should be ready for week one. The start of his season was not in jeopardy. We've seen him working with the trainers off to the side, continuing his rehab. We'll see at what point Brian Balaga perhaps gets back into practice. How much practice does he need to get ready? All of those questions still to be answered. But in the meantime, Jason Spriggs and Kyle Murphy have been alternating now, trading off snaps with the number one offensive line at right tackle. 
You got a second round pick, a sixth round pick, both from the same draft. Two guys who certainly look the part in terms of uh, their size and their stature. This is going to be an interesting battle through at least the first couple of preseason games when presumably Balaga still won't be full strength. The Packers draw it up how they want. You have David Bakhtiari, 16 starts every snap at left tackle. You have Brian Balaga, 16 starts every snap at right tackle. That would be nice, yeah. Do you remember, I think it was 2012 or 13, you have a better memory than I do. Josh Sitton played every snap during the regular season. Do you remember what happened during that playoff game in San Francisco? His shoe broke, or shoelace broke. That's right. He had to come out of the game. The only two snaps he missed all season were in a playoff game because his shoelaces broke. <laughs> and I think it was Don Barkley, might have been Lane Taylor that had to go in there and replace him. I think it was, yeah, I think it was Barkley. It was the 20, in a it was playoff the 20, game. It was the 2012 playoff game. So yeah. the point I'm trying to make with this is that even if Balaga and Bakhtiari are healthy the whole slate of games, you never know what might happen. Yeah. So Jason Spriggs, Kyle Murphy, I think they've been doing a really good job with them so far, educating both of them on the left side, right side. It's a tough call. Uh, they've talked about it numerous times, the, the reflectiveness there, trying to mirror your moves, and, and it's not always easy to slide those two sides, but it's something you have to be ready to do at a whim because you never know what's going to happen with the season. The fact that Spriggs was able to shake off the knee injury, put on the weight that he did, he looks a lot more full. We've talked about that several times. Yeah. You look at Kyle Murphy coming back off the foot injury, a great sign for both of those guys to be back. And if Brian Balaga is not going to be available right now in training camp, the fact that those guys get to alternate those reps with number ones next to Justin McCray at that right guard position, incredibly valuable. Yeah, and I think it was valuable for both of them and fortunate with the injuries they were coming off of from last season that by the end of OTAs, both of them were cleared for 11 on 11. They were doing the full teamwork in, you know, the, the shorts and helmets, not the pads of OTAs, but getting back out there for those 11 on 11 reps in the spring, that helps them get to where they are right now where, okay, they're with the number one offensive line. They look like they belong. They don't look like a, a fish out of water, so to speak. And we'll just see how these preseason games go because you know how it is, Wes. There are only going to be, especially the first couple of preseason games, only a handful of snaps where that number one defensive end or outside linebacker is the guy there. So then which of those guys is going to get those snaps against that top flight player? Not to say that you can't hone your craft and work on your game against the guys further down the depth chart, but it's uh, going up against the starters. That's what the regular season is about. And if Jason Spriggs or Kyle Murphy is needed in the regular season, that's what they're going to have to do. Absolutely. It goes back to what you said about Montrevious Adams, earning those reps against the the top flight guys, and it's an opportunity for both of those guys, especially early in camp here, to uh, potentially get that opportunity. Yeah. Well, one last thing before we go, Wes. I actually have to leave you for a few days. I know. Uh, You'll be covering training camp for a a couple of days all by your lonesome. Well, with Larry on three things. I got Larry. You have to decide who gets to do two of the three things (laughs) because it's only going to be two of you. And the other... But that's yeah. uh, but that's because I'm off to Canton, Ohio, for something that uh, I've actually really been looking forward to. It I think this is going to be quite the weekend. Jerry Kramer's Pro Football Hall of Fame induction, um, as long overdue, I think, uh, even longer than that library book. You didn't return to elementary school, um, but hey, we've talked about it. Um, this is. Uh, this is the greatest wrong of the Pro Football Hall of Fame that is finally being righted. And um, I just like to say that I think it's absolutely fantastic and fortunate and all of that that Jerry Kramer, 50 years after his retirement, 
is still here to enjoy this and be a part of this to go in. Because after everything he went through, can you imagine if the senior committee, if it were still another 15 or 20 years from now, and then they finally get around to this and then, and then Kramer's not here to enjoy it. That would be, that would be a a bigger shame almost than the fact that he didn't get in earlier. To be honest with you, and I don't know what the Kramer family would have done if that situation played out. It's all (laughs) hypotheticals, but at that point you almost wonder, well, what's the point? Uh, the, the positive side of this, you and I can talk about the fact it's been 50 years since his playing career ended, but let's look at the positive side of it. Uh, in addition to being the 100 seasons for the Packers, it's the 50th anniversary of Jerry Kramer being retired. And, That's right. And to me, and I've said this numerous times, the Pro Football Hall of Fame is about people and individuals who change the game of football. Jerry Kramer meets that criteria. He did it on the field. He was a part of some of the most iconic plays, one of the most iconic offenses in NFL history, but he also did it off the field. He was really a trailblazer when it comes to kind of being able for for players to put their identity out there and become more than just somebody behind a face mask. You know, whether it was the books he wrote or the way he was such a big ambassador for the Green Bay Packers. I would argue, and I've argued on this before on these shows, is that he is the greatest ambassador in Packers history and in, in what he's done consistently throughout the time that he got here to this point in time now he's still coming to the Lombardi golf or the Hall of Fame uh, Packers Hall of Fame golf voting yeah he's a fixture around the stadium absolutely he's the godfather of Green Bay Packers football and it's phenomenal to see him get this opportunity yeah the irony is when you talk about the books and and the way he put himself out there and what he did for other players that sort of pull back the curtain look at the NFL and instant replay and other books that's what some people think kept him out because the and media, that's a shame. Be, yeah, because the media didn't like it. You know, certain players didn't like how all that went down. And you know, I don't know. That was before my time, before your time, in terms of when uh, those books were in the news and and on the bestseller lists and all that kind of stuff. But at least now everything's finally getting corrected. Jerry's going to be in Canton. He said that he's never actually gone there because he. I think he that's just, such he, an incredible. I never he dri- knew that. He he drives by it. Yeah. He's always driven by it because he didn't want to go there until he's invited. And he's been saying now it's like, well, now I'm invited, so we're gonna throw a heck of a party, and you know his whole family is going to be there. It uh, it should be quite a weekend. It's just amazing to me, Mike, that it's been this long of a road for him. And I mean, anticipation sometimes can be the best part of things, and in that journey, and and certainly you look at what he's done. Um, Jerry Kramer didn't need this to add to his legacy. People, no. people already held him in such high regard, but it is the perfect capstone to a, a career in football, a career in uh, you know the NFL, and, and being able to finally do this. You're going to be there. You'll be experiencing it, but I have to imagine the emotions are going to be incredibly high for him, his family, and everybody that knew him and, and kind of going through this the, the last 50 years. Yeah, well, we'll talk about it uh, when I get back on our next show with uh, everything that happens in Canton and everything that happens on Ray Nitschke Field and at uh, Lambeau Field at Family Night over the weekend. But uh, with that, we will sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of Wes's coverage of training camp, my coverage of the Hall of Fame induction in Canton over the next several days. On Twitter, you can find him at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford, at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.